Not had enough of me yet? Well, good news. You can now listen to William Hill's Upfront with Simon Jordan podcast right here. The series, hosted by me, gives you a front row seat to big name interviews discussing their career successes and failures. Sit back and enjoy. I'm putting my stuff on, I'm looking at all these people, people I've seen in the street, people I know. Jamie Reeves, world's strongest man. And when I walked in, it was like a little nod. I thought, what are you doing here? I see you doing it. I'm looking at all these people thinking, you think you can do me? Yeah. Now I'm getting really angry. Right. He's telling me stories about Jack Johnson or, or Marcus Aurelius yeah. or Genghis Khan. I'm Marcus like, why? Aurelius, yeah. yeah. Okay. And so he spent more time talking to me than actually training me because he knew that was the job. Right. Anybody can get that yeah. 100% fit. It's there. It's that. there. Yeah, yeah. So I'll he knew that, that was it. Yeah. And it wasn't going to be overnight. I remember being sat on the back of the stairs of the city hall. It was raining. My friend Mark Woody came and sat down on the steps next to me and put his arm around me. He said, come on, Jay, we'll get through this. You know, and it was just, it was hard, it was hard, it was horrible. And I, I probably, at the time, the darkest time of my life. Upfront with me, Simon Jordan, is brought to you by William Hill. I believe there are a lot of vacuous, unchallenged, uninformed opinions out there. I want to get to the bottom line and cut through the nonsense. So with this podcast with William Hill, I'm going to get people with strong views who believe they can stand them up under proper scrutiny. There's a good chance I might learn something along the way, and more importantly... So might you. Joining me in today's episode is a man that went through years of self-doubt, failure, and even times of ridicule before going on to achieve glory, becoming this country's longest ever reigning cruiserweight boxing champion. From lows to highs, from despair to destiny, Mr. Johnny Nelson, welcome to Upfront. Thank you, Simon. I'm actually, I'm, I'm gassed you even invited me on your show, actually. Well, I suppose the first sort of observation is, how does it feel to be set across the opinionated pain in the arse? <laughs> you're actually, you're, you're actually, you're growing people. <laughs> <laughs> well, a bit like fungus. Yeah. Yeah. You're growing people, so it's a good thing. Well, I mean, Johnny, you know, I've, I, I wanted you to come on because I'm a huge admirer of the body of work that you've done, both in your career, but also from the punditry side of things. I mean, obviously, when you start trotting out things like Alexander Usyk is an average Southpaw, <laughs> my ardour starts to diminish. <laughs> But I, I suppose the first sort of conversation piece is to try and understand the psyche of what a boxer has to go through to become a boxer. You come from a situation where reading up about you, you were very timid. I mean, looking at you, it's difficult to imagine that, but you were mm -hmm. very timid. And if, he, if a, an adult spoke to you, you had the propensity to fall apart. Mm -hmm. So how do you, with all of that background, end up in a boxing ring? I actually went to boxing just to make friends. The downsides of going to the boxing gym to make friends was having to box. Yeah. The reason why I chose a boxing ring, a, a, a boxing club, is because my older brother, who I kind of followed around like a shadow, he boxed, and and he was smart enough to say, you know, Johnny's a crybaby. You know, my sister used to beat me up. Right. Johnny's a crybaby. I don't want him following me down at the gym. So he said, if you can go to another gym, which is probably two miles walk from away from our house. If you can go there for a year, then you can come to my gym. And um, and I probably went, Simon, I probably went about half a dozen times in a year. And I'd hide around the corner and wait until he was outside and then go back home again. And I'd make up all these cock and bill stories about what I'd done in the gym. I hated the gym. I used to, I, I, walk, I remember walking in, into that gym and seeing somebody sparring and getting battered. And I just stood at the door. I thought, I ain't going in there. No mm. chance. Could you uh, describe yourself as a boy? In a man's body, right? Without a doubt. What did that mean? <clears throat> I, I looked the part. I was right. tall. So you thought, I looked mature. I was a kid. 
As a kid, I was a kid until I was about 27 years old. My decision-making, it wasn't there. My confidence was not there. Sometimes I look at fights and I know what that guy's thinking at the time when I look at him and I'm thinking, people have no idea. I was Central Area, British champion, European champion. I had no bottle at all, I thought, if they only knew. No bottle in what respect? I mean, was it a case of... I mean, I've done this in my life. Fake it till you make it, right? Yeah. Do right. you live by that mantra? To Without some a doubt. Without a doubt. Yeah. And my 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 day of reckoning was when I first boxed for the world title against Carlos De Leon. Yeah. And that was the fakes over because this guy, looking at his pedigree, I didn't care about how old he was. He'd done it all. He 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 was former world champion. He'd boxed Ivan. He boxed everybody before me. So now I thought, I don't deserve to be here. So it wasn't about what I could do physically. Mentally, I thought I shouldn't be here. I'm, I'm going to get blown up here. Yours is such a remarkable tale because you then lose the first three fights. You then go on a 17-fight winning scenario, end up with this fight with Carlos de Leon, which you'll describe as a dark moment, and we'll get into that mm -hmm. in a second, right? Then you win your next six fights. Then all of a sudden, bang, you lose, you lose seven of the next 11, mm -hmm. right? Uh, and you lose to people like Corey Sanders that went on smashed, uh, you know, Vladimir Klitschko, yeah. which are, you know, not necessarily um, disgraces by losing, losing those fights. You lose seven, eight, eleven, and then yeah. bang, you don't lose again mm. for the rest of your boxing life. Mm. And these are unique, sort of not getting knocked down and get up moments. These are like up, down, up, down, and then just up. Is this where Brendan Ingle steps into the oh, mix? Oh my goodness, without a doubt. Brendan, one of a kind, a truly good man, misunderstood unorthodox. I don't think anybody could have achieved what he achieved because it wasn't just about the boxing. It was about you as a, a human being. He teach people to be better parents, boys to be better men, girls to be better women. I'm not saying he's the same, but what I'm saying is he, he, he taught you life, life skills. They don't teach you that in schools. Schools teach you to remember. Brennan taught you to think. Mm. And my battle was mainly with me. Right. Brendan always said, you haven't got the confidence to match your ability. Right. And you'll not grow up until you're nearly 30. I'm like, what? He said, you're a, mommy, you're a mommy's boy. You've got a situation where you're lacking in belief, but you've got Brendan, you know, without, you know, uh, deriding your domestic situation <laughs> with your biological father. Mm. Brendan seems to be that, one. that person that steps in there yeah. and just gives you everything that you need. But, but and, and when I asked you if you believed your dad from from the off and i when I, I mirrored that to brendan so brendan when he was trying to philosophize and talk to me and trying to build my confidence up and he was saying you're going to be world champion i'm like thinking no I don't, I don't believe you so and as he's talking he's telling me stories about jack johnson or or marcus aurelius yeah. or genghis khan i'm marcus like why? Aurelius, yeah. yeah okay I'm part, why are you telling me these yeah. stories about these people and so he spent more time talking to me than actually training me right and and so because he knew that was the job. Right. Anybody can get that. Yeah. One hundred percent fit. It's there. The it's that. there. Yeah. Yeah. So I'll he knew that, that was yeah. a, and it wasn't going to be overnight. He saw something in me that I didn't see. I kept coming back. I'd leave the gym after being beaten up by Harold Graham and mm. Brian Anderson, and I'd come back the next day. You know, when I'd be mocked by people, he saw mm. that, and I'd come back the next day. And so he knew I had something about me. That do you think? That, do you think that came from a position of? Empathy, uh, I, I, again, excuse the words, but understand the meaning. 
pity. None of that. No. Just thought, this, no, no, kid, I, I this him, kid deserves my time. I saw him get rid of time wasters. Right. I saw time wasters come in the gym. Brennan, out. Get out. And when I say pity, I don't mean pity in terms of, of you know, you're wasting my time. I mean pity in terms of the fact that you're going through this very difficult experience in life. And yet you have the fortitude to keep coming back. Yeah. And keep coming back and keep coming back when people are taking the out of you. You're yeah. looking around in an environment thinking I'm not good enough to be I, in I here. I get that, Simon. But the stories he told me and the, and the dream he gave me, the belief he gave me, that would have been a lie. And everything he said to me was the truth. Everything he said to me happened. I saw him with other people. He never told them that story. You're going to be world champion. You're going to do this. You're gonna... I, my story was it was unique and individual to me. And everything he said that I did not believe happened down yeah. to a T. How did you get to be Johnny? How did it become Johnny? Everson Rennie, isn't it? <laughs> How does it become Johnny? It's a funny story. But nobody believes me. Uh, and I actually never remember being called Ivanson, but I do remember this in school. So went to school. My name's Ivanson Rani Nelson. Right. My elder sister's called Smith. So right. at school I was known, known as Ivanson Rani Smith because okay. I just took it up straight away. So in the class, uh, Mrs. Lee here, her name was, uh, and it was a Catholic school. They had one or two teachers there that weren't nuns. And she said... This is in Sheffield? In Sheffield. Yeah. Uh, she said, calling the register and cry baby Johnny. And this, she said my name wrong, Iverson. I went, Ivanson. Iverson, no, it's Iverson, Iverson. So bottom lips going, and the kids are like giggling, and so she can see that she said, "Stop, stop." She said, "I tell you what, why don't we just? It's our first day. Why don't we just choose a name for class today, for today, until we get used to his name?" And you got Johnny. Her son put picked hand up, Morris. Let's call him. He's called Morris, and so we went through the Bible. Right. Peter, uh, we, oh, Matthew. No, please don't be telling me you're John the Baptist. <laughs> no, we went through the Bible, but we already had two Johns in class. Right. So one of the kids said, let's call him Johnny. So she's, and the kids started giggling. And so, because they're thinking rubber Johnny. My school life was, can I borrow your rubber Johnny? <laughs> <laughs> that was the school life. And it wasn't until I got older and I met my dad when I was 30. And I asked him, where's Ivanson Rani come from? Mm. What kind of name is that? He said, well, Ivanson... Uh, was a famous boxer in Dominica. I thought, like, I don't believe you. He said, and Rani, he's after the comedian. Right. I said, what comedian? He said, Rani Corbett. <laughs> and I went, it's Ronnie Corbett. He went, yeah, Ronnie Corbett. I knew Ronnie's daughter, Sophie, quite well. <laughs> yeah, but, but so I'm named after Ronnie Corbett. But right. how he pronounced it, it you Rani. can imagine him going in saying, yes, Rani. Right. Ronnie, yes, Rani. R-A-N-N-Y. thought, you idiot. But, but that's that. And Johnny, it's always been Johnny ever since. Talk to me about Brendan's unconventional methods, because we talk about penny dropping and, and epiphanies and moments in time, which clearly yeah. you've had, right? Yeah. Uh, and clearly they come from a position of either beginning to subscribe to a view or an ultimate moment or just Brendan's campaign of building you up, building you up, building you up. But he seems to have a unique outlook. I mean, obviously he's now got the reputation and repute. He's no longer with us, God mm -hmm. rest his soul, and his sons have taken up the mantle. Mm -hmm. And he's got this legacy of Junior Witter and Prince Nazim and you as world champions, mm -hmm. uh, and Hal Graham, who was one of my favorite fighters. Mm -hmm. And obviously I'll never forget Julian Jackson mm -hmm. and what he did to him. Um, and the, the opportunities that were missed by Harold because the talent was there. But the unconventional manner in which he operated, you know, post the, the, the Carlos de Leon fight, hasn't he got you going into prisons yeah. and fighting with prisoners or not fighting with prisoners, being being in a session where you're not allowed to hit them and they can hit you? Well, okay, and this is part of the building. So before we get to the point of penny dropping, this was part of the, 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 the confidence building. It wasn't just me, other fighters that were there. You need to, we, he needed to, he needed his fighters to believe in themselves. Yeah. So he'd take us to working, men club, working men's clubs 
uh, and ex miners with there and everything, big burly mm. fellas. And there we'd spar with each other, do a boxing exhibition. You'd get one of the lads, like a young Naz or a young Ryan Rose, to walk around with a tray mm. to collect money to, for, to to help the gym run the gym. Uh, to get so every Sunday we'd do this around the place, and they'd get um, everybody, anybody. You get us in the back and say, right then, if you get hit, whose fault is it? We'd all like say our own fault. What can't you do? We can't hit him back. So we're boys, and you've got these big ass men mm. that want to blast us because they're sat with all their mates saying I can do him yeah. after seeing the sparring. Yeah. Yeah. So our job is to get out of the way. So Brendan said the worst people to fight are the people that don't know how to fight because you're not know if you're going to throw a left or right, mm. two hands at the same time, try and put you, try and yeah, grab you. you. Can't pick he said if you can figure those people out. You, you 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 can't lose. Mm. So then Brendan ramped it up a bit. Then he got into to Doncaster Prison, and these prisoners they had six months notice. They say Brendan Ingle's coming in June, whatever it is, yeah, yeah. and so they'd pay a pound a week out of their prison wage to 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 go towards the charity. Eight prisoners were picked. We did about four or five times. It was, who was who was with you? Oh, everybody's done it from Clifton Mitchell to um, uh, Herbie Hyde, Prince Nassim Hamid, Ryan Rhodes, Fidel Castro Smith, Harold Graham. We've mm. all done it right. over the years. So, so when we got in there, Brendan said, Remember, you cannot hit them back. So the prisoners had paid to come in the hall and watch. The eight prisoners that are treated like kings for six months, they're eating steak right, and living okay. it up. This right. is their chance for glory to be the king in the wing. So, so Brendan's in there, he's making a spar with each other. One, uh, making his fights spar with each other he talked to the prisoners about where he's from telling my story telling his story then he'd say then he'd introduce to prison prisoners that have come in they'd all get in the ring stand there gloved up vaseline up right and uh he'd make them say tell them about yourself i'm terry i'm from manchester I'm blah 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 i'm such a fan and that everybody out right? i'm in for mass murder yeah yeah, yeah. no true I, 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 I used to spar with a murderer Did you? big black guy from manchester i'm like yeah. why have i got him <laughs> you know what i mean so brent so brennan say johnny you're up errol you're up naz you're up and um and so I what did got... you think about that at the time did you think what the hell am I doing here? Or did you think, well, I'll tell you what, I'm washing up at the feet of this guy that's building me into uh, something. It was actually, but the thing is, you don't, you miss the wood for the trees because at the time, it was a good laugh for us lot because we could fight. Right. And most, most boxers that can fight, you don't have to show off. You don't have to beat people up. You know you can fight. Mm. Fighting and boxing are two different things. Mm. So when you get that's in it. there, you've got a pair of gloves on. Yeah. If you can box, it can be anybody, you know, that can't fight. You know, they're going to try and rush you to try and get hold of you. You're going to move out of the way, hit and move. And so, so you had that kind of confidence, and we're all together. It was a laugh, and we'd all laugh to say, "Oh my God, you've got that big fella there!" So we're laughing, thinking, "Who's going to get battered? Who's going to get caught out?" And um, Herbie, Herbie Hyde joined the gym once, and uh, just for a short while, probably about a year, we did at the gym, and we had an exhibition on. And Brendan said, "Come on, you're coming to do an exhibition." Now remember, he's been world champion, so he still thinks, you know, he's at that level. Yeah, I'm at that level. Yeah. So now we're in a, in a prison. It stinks got prisoners there that are right. jeering and shouting and Brennan's holding them down. Herbie got in there. He thinks he still wants the respect of a world champion. Hmm. Like most ex-champions walking around hmm. now, I still want you to look at him and talk to him like the king of the hill. Herbie's in the ring. Guy gets in the ring. Brennan said, do not hit him. Just get out of the way. Herbie's moving out of the way. He's moving out of the way. The guy caught him with a shot. Herbie turned it on and battered him. And so all of a sudden, all the prisoners that were watching, it, oh, they all stood up going mad. So the screws had to come in. And, and calm it down and Brent and Herbie Brennan went mad at Herbie 
And uh, Brendan said, boy, stop, 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 stop. And they're going mad. And then all of a sudden he starts singing this song. Have you heard about a big, strong man? Where, and I'm like, honestly, this it is was Brendan, like, right? this is Brendan yeah. stood in the ring singing yeah. this Irish song to these, the, these, the, the prisoners. And they like looked up like, what's he doing? Then he sat down. They sat down. Just took all the steam out of him. Took the steam out of him. Mm. He finished. Way! He started mm. clapping. This guy, only Brendan could be such a circus master mm. in such a, a multicultural master, yeah, gym yeah. in such a such a prison environment he knew it he understood mm. it herbie said herbie get around the bike you know and herbie had gone around the bike but they, they, they didn't respect me and he said you're an idiot get around the bike <laughs> and so and and that's what we do and that's what but it brought... what did you take from those i mean i mean we all take things from life don't we experiences because i always believe and it's a it's a, a very crass analogy about winning and losing in life. You know, people say you've got to put up a good fight. I always think a good fight is one you win. What did you learn from those sort of experiences when you're going into that environment? You're seeing guys in life that aren't winning. Right? The people in prison aren't winning. So, okay. They're... So for oneself, you learn confidence because you're thinking, these men, all they can do is train. Yeah. You know, and, and if I've gone in there and held my own and, and I'm not hit these guys back and gone out of the way and slipped and blocked and they're actually hugging you after saying, oh, thank you, mate. I can't believe how you did it. So like, your confidence is flying high. Mm. You're looking at these guys then. This was the whole point of Brendan's taking us to the prisons because he wanted the prisoners and ourselves to understand how life could be, yeah. shouldn't be, should be. So that elevated the, you. The, the, the choices of, that are made in life, where life can That's take clever, us. Isn't it? So, so apart from having a spa, he talked to the prisoners and, and, and What you can look like and he talked to you if yeah. you don't go the right way, what you can yeah. end up like. Yeah, and he talked yeah. to him. This kid's got that. His yeah. background's the same as yours, blah, blah. And he talked to them and he had them. You know if people aren't respecting you because they're talking while, you, while you're there, these prisoners were like kids and Brendan's and the, the the prison governor, the screws said, "You know what, Brent? We want you to come back." Now we've tried to, as time had gone on, you tr the government are trying to in were verbally trying to encourage schemes like this, but on the download they won't let you do it because because once we made it official mm. to say we want to go to the government and take this around all prisons, they said no, no, it's too dangerous. Uh, we can't do that. We're, we're not encouraging fighting. I now go to prisons now, and and I've I've tried to encourage it into back into prisons again, but they won't. Now I can just go in and talk to them. So there's no ring there. I just right. go in and talk so to. So that side's prisoners. been taken away, but you can go. It's and, been taken right. away, but I go in and talk. So now I'm going to talk mm -hmm. to the prisoners, and I I let them understand. There's no difference between them and me. They're actually they're actually probably stronger mentally or in a better position in life than I was. And I'm saying so if I can do it, then you kid can do that's, it too. Yeah. That's less school with no qualifications. Mm -hmm. And 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 nothing, no no self confidence. If I can do it, just tell me why can't you do it? In terms of huge moments in your career, set the scene for us around your world title fight in nineteen ninety against Carlos de Leon. Ah, oh, I was a boy in a man's body. Um, I thought I was going to get exposed, and and no, I knew I was going to get exposed. I was hustling it. You know, I, I didn't have the confidence to to match my ability that Brendan said I had. Uh, Brendan knew he was taking the chance uh, and he knew he said you're going to win, lose and draw he said this is the chance here so he was prepared for the good and the bad side of it um, so to to come to that fight and to get to the Sheffield City Hall and to look out and see the crowd Linda Lusardi all the cast from Coronation Street Emmerdale they're all there to see me all of a sudden the reality of, of the task Ahead of me. The expectation. It dawned on me. Mm. I'd lost before I even got in the ring. You know, and, and I was so worried. Funny thing was, I, I had a dream about the result. And I had dreamt that 
the referee had my hand up. I looked across at De Leon and he was smiling. And there was a guy, a white guy, like, but with a, an afro, with a prince-like striped suit on, white shirt tie, really smart, and sticking two fingers up. That was my dream. And it came to the fight. It was a board draw. Uh, the crowd were booing. The crowd were angry. Because De Leon was the world champion and it was a draw, he kept his world title. Mm. So they didn't just have my hand up. They had him had his hand up as well. He was smiling. As he smiled, I looked into the crowd and there was a guy ringside with a pinstripe suit on, suit on, afro, sticking two fingers up. And I looked, I thought, that's a guy in the dream. I'm thinking, this is not the time and the place I dreamt this. But it was, it was the worst time. I can remember being sat on the back of the stairs of the city hall. It was raining. My friend Mark Woolley came and sat down on the steps next to me, put his arm around me. He said, come on, Jay, we'll get through this. You know, and it was just, it was hard. It was hard. It was horrible. And I, I probably, at the time, the darkest time in my life. It might not mean anything to anybody that if you're not into boxing, but it was for me. Uh, but now I look back on it, it was the best thing that could have ever happened. Mm. We've all had moments in time, right, where something's not gone our way. You know, I when I when the, with the end of my ownership of the football club, and I end up losing 50, 60 million quid, the banking crisis comes down, and I've gone from being someone that's the golden kid that owns a mm. football club at thirty-one years of age, put a team in the Premier League, to someone that's just lost his sixty million quid in the football club, lost another fifty million quid elsewhere, and I'm walking around thinking I am an ultimate failure. Mm. Right, but it didn't break me; it just made me have more resolution and determination and the motivation to go i'll see you again but the journey is 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 as important as the destination agreed so, so that feeling agreed. of what happened to you one that that emotion wasn't a one five second conversation with yourself no 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 and so it was a period I, so, of time yeah, yeah so when i lost when i drew with carlos de leon the journey was people who i didn't know in the street speaking about me in a, such a drug Why did that bother you? Total, strain, bothered, total yeah, strangers. But, but, but you know what? It, it wasn't one. It was two. It was three. It was four. And they made it quite clear. You'd, you'd pick up a newspaper. Kept in cartoon jokes about about the fight. I think the best joke I saw was a guy was in a coma for 10 years and they put the Carlos de Lee and Johnny Nelson fight on. He woke up to turn the TV off to go back to sleep again. And and so and so I funny, though, it? it was yeah. funny. But what I'm saying is so but at the time I'm pretty sensitive. So mm. at the time I'm thinking, you know what? That's somebody's son you're talking about. Yeah. That you're talking about somebody. So little things like that. I know what if you're not into boxing, I'm saying to you, I'm saying this broke me. I want you to understand how it makes you so paranoid about everything and everybody around you. I had sponsors like knocking on my door, left, right, and center, saying, we want to give you this, that, and the other. The next day, uh, so my mum's house was a council house. I thought, with the money, I'm going to buy her house for her. That's my first thing I'm going to buy. Mm. I bought a house for her. And the next, about a week or so after the fight, I phoned the guy up that was all over me before the fight. And I, he was going to put all double glaze in the windows and everything. And he gives you the high hat. And now. he said, uh, I said, hey, it's Johnny. I, I, when are you going to send the lights around to... Uh, you know, how's it going, blah, blah, blah. When you can send the lens around to uh, fit the windows, he said, you what? He said, you've got no chance. Mm. He said, I'm sorry, son. Proper straight like mm. that. You'll pay like everybody else. Mm. From being so nice and so respectful and so all over me before. And I I, I can remember that phone call, I thought... But it's good though, isn't it? Because yeah. what it does, it wakes you up, makes you realise that the only yeah. safety net in life you've got is and your that's own why I say. Right? Yeah. That's why I say it was the worst and best mm. stage of my life because I'd realised what human nature can be like. And I realized how, how don't be suckered in, don't be mm. fooled by, by what you see. 
You know, there's many types of love. I love you when the sun's out. When the sun's down, yeah. and things are going bad. I don't want to know. Well, it's the um, it's like the um, the rainbow. It's the umbrella and the sunshine effect. When the banks, when you've got lots of money and you're being very successful, the banks will lend you lots of money. Yeah. When you've got no money and you need some money, they'll not be there. It's they called the umbrella and the sunshine and, effect. And, and so, and, yeah. and that's what. So after that, and he's, and then once I start to make some money in boxing. And even now, when when people are saying I want to give you these these gloves, I want to give you this track suit, I take it Do and I give it to everybody yeah. in the gym because I because what doesn't make sense is why would you sponsor somebody that's already got money that can afford it and not sponsor a kid that's got nothing? But that's the irony. I need of it. it. But that's the irony, of it, isn't it? When you're the person with the most money in the room, I found that everyone wants to buy you a drink, and you're yeah. the person that leads the, needs to be least bought yeah. a drink, and that's why I never took. And when I was with the football club and other businesses, people want to throw things at you. I never took anything from yeah. anyone. Now, now you asked me about that that eureka moment for me. Mm. And mine was I was spying with um, with the world light heavyweight champion in France, in um, and and I just battered him. Fabrice Tioso, his name was. I just battered him in the in the ring. It was raining. I remember my mum getting paid a hundred pound a day. And um, and now my confidence has come thinking, you know what, John, you've been all over Europe. You're handling these boys. And and my bed set I'm staying at is across the road from the gym. There's a white limousine outside, stretch limo with a driver in, and a beautiful mixed-race woman sat in the back with a little white poodle. I've been there a few weeks now. I'm like, so this one, what? damn. Anyway, so so I smiled, and she smiled back. She wasn't smiling at me. She was smiling at Fabrice because it was his missus. And 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 he said, see you tomorrow, Johnny. Tapped me on the shoulder and got in the car. And I stood at the, on the side of the road and watched his car drive off into the distance. And I'm in the rain. And I'm watching thinking, what? The, what? I've just battered him. Mm, and he's in and that. He, and he's oh. in that. And I'm I'm walking mm. there. to the, and, and so that point there, I said, Johnny, what is the difference here? This, and listen to me. When you're a sparring partner and you're on your own, you're on your own you talk to yourself a lot. Because mm. you have got to have a conversation with yourself to, to prepare yourself to get in the ring. And it's like a fight every day. And I said, Johnny, well, the difference between you and him is this. He can perform in public. You can't. And that was my eureka moment. I thought, I am never going to lose again. And so, and from that day onwards, I thought, the day when I lose, I'll, I'll be done. You go from losing the Carlos de Leon fight to winning the next six fights, right? So you've come out of this really dark yeah. moment, right? And the world's going to hell in the handcart as far as you're concerned. Everyone's, you know, you're, you're treated like a pariah yeah. by people that once upon a time were, you know, were wanting to wipe your backside. Yeah. I know what that looks like. I know what that feels yeah. like, right? Um, and then you win the next six fights. And then all of a sudden, what? You 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 reverse out of this particular winning mentality no, no, no. and go and lose next seven of so Would find... you consider yourself to be a journeyman at that stage? Because you start fighting no, heavyweights. No, but, but people start calling me a journeyman, right. and I think the reason why that patch happened because I fell out of love with the game. Because after I did the Leon fight, even though I'd won six straight fights on, nobody wanted to put me on. Nobody wanted promoters had put adverts saying I don't want Johnny else on my show. Nobody wanted to know, so right. I, I had no money. So it's not like football where you get paid every week. You only get paid when you box. So 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 I worked. But at, why I, was this visceral reaction to you? I mean I mean I watched Joe Bugner and yeah. the accusations against Joe Bugner that he was yeah. a similar kind of character, all the talent, yeah. and never deployed, never put himself in a way of risk. Yeah, and, and 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 so all of a sudden the reality is it's not just somebody else, it's happening to me. I've got Brendan talking to me time after time, Johnny, listen to me, we'll get this right. He did little things like like put an advert in the local newspaper. To get people to come and fight you. Yeah, to get yeah. Com people to come and spar. Yeah. You know, these were confidence builders, but yeah. he thought, I need to get... How's that a confidence builder? Basically, because... he's going out to the public and saying, roll up, roll up, roll up, no, see, no, if but... you, see if you can yeah, beat but, the loser. Yeah, exactly, because he knows the stick I'm getting. So he's put an advert in the local paper, Johnny Nelson, 
uh, appreciates the help of the Sheffield public and he wants your help for his next fight and he's willing to pay £750 a week if you will be his sparring partner for a week to help him prepare for the next fight. And I thought, another one of Brendan's stunts. This is a Friday night. Right. Sunday morning, I drive up Newman Road. There's a church across the road. The gym's on the other side. The road's packed full of cars. I thought, big service. And the church, I walked in the gym. The door hit somebody. It was packed out. I'd still forgotten about this advert he put in the paper on the Friday. I thought, just Brendan Stunt. So I went up and I said, Bren, what are these people here for? He said, they've come to answer the ad. To kick your ass. And yeah. I'm like, then I turn around, because when I got upset, I used to I used to cry. Yeah. And so I'm thinking, now, and I'm so angry. I'm like, oh my. He said, Johnny, go over there and get changed. So I walked around the other side of the ring and put my stuff on. I'm looking at all these people, people I've seen. In the street, people I know, Jamie Reeves, world's strongest man. And when I walked in, it was like a little nod. I thought, what are you doing here? What's he doing here? I'm looking at all these people thinking, you think you can do me? Yeah. Now I'm getting really angry. Right. And then Brennan got in the ring, he started talking, he's, and then he got an envelope out of his pocket, pulled out three white feathers, and said, does anybody know what this means? One guy put his hand up. He said, you give it to cowards in the Foreign Legion. He said, I've been receiving this every week since Johnny Box Carlos de Leon. Could the person that sent this, is he here? Yes, I am. He said, and what are you doing here? He said, well, he's a coward. I felt ashamed to say I'm a Sheffield man. He's from Sheffield, made us all look bad. But I'm there. I'm not in another room. And Brendan said, do you understand what you've got to do? He said, yes, I do. For one week, he said, yeah, three rounds a day. Right. Yes, I do. So now I'm thinking, how do I kill him? Do I knock him out? Do I hit him in the throat? Make him choke on his gum shield? Whack him in the ribs? Make wind him? I want him conscious so he's in pain. Ding, ding, bell went. So I thought, I'm going I'm to whack him in his throat. I'm just knocking him in his throat. I want him to be conscious and struggle. So this guy's like coming forward like Rocky and he's swinging. Then I'm thinking, I can't believe how bad you are. Yeah. But I just want one clean shot. I'm not even going to tap you and set you up. So I thought, yeah, there's shots there. And went to throw the shot. He put his head down. I whacked him on the forehead. And he went, whoa, whoa, whoa. Went down on one knee. No, no, no. I'm having none of this. It's a I'm bit thinking, of reality for me. Uh, yeah, so that's what I'm saying. But he's got a great, he's great boxing until mm -hmm. they get hit. Whoa, whoa, whoa. I'm having none of this. I'm having none of this. And so he said, uh, I've not come for this stuff. Took his head guard off. Pulled his gloves off, run out of the, run out of the uh, ring. But I'm mad now because I realise he's been sending the feathers. Mm. So I jumped out of the ring. Brennan said, don't let Johnny Nelson out. Shut the door, shut the door. So the fella got out. And so I thought, all right, who else is getting in? So Jamie's like, Johnny, I just come to watch, mate. I didn't, I was only came to watch. <laughs> About three or four got in. They didn't last around. Mm. But then all of a sudden, everybody came to just watch. Now, now to me, that was a great lift for me to say, Johnny, you are not as bad as what they are telling you are. Right. Believe in yourself. I can and I think I can fight any man in the street. When I was world champion, believe it or not, I believed I was the best fighter in the world. There's not many world champions now that believe they are the best fighter amongst mm. 7.888 billion people, people yeah. on this planet. I believed I was. Now you've got to be arrogant enough. I show some arrogant and self-belief mm. enough to think I can do it. I believe I was the best in the world once I was world champion. Mm. Tyson Fury believes he's the best in the yep. world. Up until the, the, the Alizane Usyk situation. But I actually believe, and there's not many fighters that have got the title world champion that believe they're the best. I did. Well, that leads me into um, Anthony Joshua. My view, for what it's worth, is that his demise started after uh, he fought Klitschko, mm. where he went into a certain place to have to win that fight. And I do think since then he's gone on and fought in a certain way. 
um, which has taken him out of the way of risk and what isn't prepared to put himself in the way of risk in the way that he once did before when he was a wrecking machine. Recently, we've seen him fight Franklin when he did, it, it seemed to me the same situation was there. There might be a few technical things that he stepped back and took his time and got range a little bit better. And, mm. But what do you make of the Anthony Joshua that uh, we've got now? I believe Anthony Joshua um, uh, has got to the point where now in his career, where he's fighting for the wrong reasons. Because mm. when he was world champion, he had that mentality to think, I'm... I'm the best fighter in the, the world. One. When yeah. you've been a world champion and you truly believe you are the best in the world, anything less isn't enough. Right. So so when he boxed to Andy Ruiz, I'd heard a lot of there was some issues in the dressing room before the fight and his dad didn't want him to go out. But then when he lost to Usyk, because he came back, beat Andy Ruiz, he thought, right, I've right, had that wrong. He lost to Usyk. He never expected to lose to Usyk. I can remember speaking to Dylan White and Dave Shador saying, he'll blast this guy. He's everyone, a everyone thought they did, yeah, they? yeah. Then he got into it with Usyk and lost to Usyk. Now yeah. he's thinking, all right, I underestimated him. I got it wrong. And so now he doesn't believe, he, d he still believes he's the best in the world. He made a mistake. But then when he boxed Usyk, the second time mm. he knew he wasn't the best in the world and I said this is where the problem starts not what we've just seen there in the ring not the aircraft of the bell's gone the problem is when he's up by himself he's got to get in his head why am I doing this when I saw him fight and especially in his last fight which he won and I'm glad he won he still showed novice behaviour from yeah. a guy that's been a two time world heavyweight champion well, I heard that. which told me He's never going to get that well, mojo I heard that. From, I'm not going to. I'm not going to betray confidences. But I heard from a leading trainer that was before one of the Akoli fights. Uh, well, actually, before um, Anthony went in against Alexander Usyk, there was Akoli was fighting on the undercard, mm. and Anthony was talking to one of the trainers, saying, "What do you think I should do?" I've got one better than that. He was walking in the ring uh, against uh, Usyk, mm. and my friend was the head of security walking next to him. He said, "How oh, would you fight a southpaw on the way to the ring?" Mm. So an what, average self-pull. And I'll come to that. But what I'm saying, what I'm saying to you is, what he's displaying to me, and, I, and, I, and again, I respect what he's achieved. I respect what he's done. I've always been, I've always been a cheerful leader of him because I think the work he's put in and how he's executed has been spot on. But in reality, right now, a two-time world champion is in a fight and he's looking over at his corner, man. Derek James. Mid-fight. The whole fight. Yeah, 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 yeah. Mid-fight, and I'm like thinking. What are you doing? Yeah. You should now be at a stage where your corner man takes the muzzle off. Yeah. Ding, ding, off you go. Execute. Get the job done. Get Execute. the muzzle back on. Yeah. But but he's still thinking mm. like a novice. He's still acting like a novice. He's still acting like a kid that doesn't know what he's doing. If you don't know now, you're never going to know. He's 33 years old. Why did you think I was... Because I'd, Why did you think I was a cheeky sod? Why did you think I was cheeky sod about Anthony? Because I mean, Be I said something to Derek Chisora, didn't I? I said to Derek yeah, Chisora, yeah. I don't want to see you fighting Dillian yeah. White for the third time. I, I said that as well. I think actually, I think yeah, I said that about without about because I wasn't uh, trying to be disrespectful. It, yeah, no, no, no. But I just called it as I see it. You called it just sorry. And I thought I thought he'd beat um, Ruiz the second fight without a doubt. Yeah, of course yeah, he without, did. Without a doubt, he put, yeah, he, but he, not he didn't go in and plunder him. Yeah, he didn't yeah, go and, and murder and, him and avenge this defeat. He went in there and did the job. Yeah, and did a job. And so therefore, I thought he looked at Ruiz like we all did walking. Into the at the press conference and people laughed. At He's Ruiz. a Pillsbury Doughboy. Yeah, we laughed at him. The security guy in front of him looked like we all thought that mm. was Andy Ruiz. Ruiz is there with his baggy jeans, little fat fella yeah, behind yeah, yeah. him. We laughed at him. So Anthony Joshua looked at this guy and he disrespected him. And I've always said respect your opponent because if you don't, they're the people that beat you. I think people are actually beginning to laugh at the concept that Anthony Joshua could beat one of the top heavyweights now. So the the reason why I say it now is because Anthony Joshua has been through every experience going. For him to learn from it. He's thirty he's a thirty-three year old man. He's not mm. a boy turning into him, he's a man. 
So if you if he's still making boyish mistakes, because you always made that excuse for him about his short amateur career. Yeah, oh, short amateur, but he's a former yeah. two-time world heavyweight yeah. champion of the world. Yeah. So so he's ticked so many boxes. He's learnt so much. So if you've not learned from the ups and downs of that, and you're still making these rookie mistakes now at 33 years old, you're a man. Now, I, I, I believe that he is bus driver, ticket collector and passenger of his training camp. He says what yeah, happens, how it happens. Yeah, he not, says yeah. when he's trained. I believe, I'm, I might be wrong, and, and he'll see this and say, you know what, Johnny, blah, blah, blah. But you know what, in years to come, I'll think, Johnny, you were right there. Because mm. his motivation for fighting, he's now, he's now in no man's land. Here's a thorny subject that I want to take you into when we're talking about controversial views. And I, and I really want to have this conversation mm. with you because it's a subject matter that I don't get very often to speak to to, to, to a black man about, mm -hmm. about racism in sport. Mm. Because I have quite strong views on racism in society. I live in a country where I'm constantly being told that I've got white privilege and I've got a situation where we live in institutional racism and I read articles from people talking about mm -hmm. racism from Luther Burrell, that's a rugby player. And I want to talk to you about, about racism in boxing mm -hmm. and the lack of diversity in certain spaces or the lack of inclusion. You've been on the end of some racism. I know that you had a situation in Australia. Mm -hmm. You've probably been on the end of a lot of racism. Mm -hmm. But I want to know what your view on racism in society, racism in a sport that you that you came from and how it looks. Because it's easy for me to say yeah. a certain view. In my family, my nephew is black. So, you know, uh, from that point of view, I get to see certain things in a certain perspective, but you can't walk through the eyes of someone else or mm. can't walk in someone else's shoes, more importantly. Given what I've just said, tell me how the world looks to you in so, that so, particular scenario. So in our sport of boxing, boxing, if you're good, you're good. No matter black or yeah. white, Jack Johnson, first black heavyweight champion in the world. Yep. So, so, and they they tried everything possible to stop this man boxing for world title, mm -hmm. but but he was the best fight in the world. So eventually, like it or not, that proves that says it all. You can't kid and say now this kid's better than that kid because two people against each other will prove who's the best. Mm -hmm. So boxing, it's very hard for 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 racism to play a part in modern day boxing now. Because the best fighter is who you want, but don't the, isn't it the same in football? But the football and 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 the best cricketers are getting played. The best footballers are black now. If you look at the Premier League, fifty mm. percent of the Premier League is black. The best players, I think, with a few you're exceptions, looking, you're looking are at the black. managers and you're looking at the and right. this is the area that right. I want to get into so, with you. So the idea that people t suggest that ultimately, because you can be you can be the player, yeah, you can be you can be the 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 actor, but you can't be the impresario, yeah. yeah. What do you think of that? So, in, so in America, you know, you've got PBC, you've got Floyd's set up, and everything. Mm -hmm. you've got they, they, they've got the the, the finance, they've got the infrastructure to, to build this up. This will happen in the UK. There will be a, a, a fighter or an ex-fighter or somebody that's 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 got the the the, the je ne sais quoi, he's got that about him to say, mm -hmm. I'm going to do this. I'm going to front this up. That part, that that person will turn up. It's not a black-white thing. It's about somebody coming through saying, I'm going to kick the doors down and get this done. Like Eddie's had to kick the doors down. Like Frank Warren had to kick the doors well, down. Eddie, I don't Eddie think... was fortunate. Yeah, yeah, Daddy yeah, gave yeah, yeah. But, but, but the thing, you had to kick the doors down to get respect because at first he was yeah, a little rich enough. boy with a silver spoon in his mouth. Fair enough, fair enough. So, 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 so then... In, in the British Boxing Board of Control, now they have to have black representation. They have to have more black representation to to to, to balance it out. Because certain fighters will think, you know what? There's nobody that looks like me that are making the decisions about my career and within the British Boxing Board of Control. But, now, but hang on. 
But ultimately, don't, are you advocating for that? Are you saying that's right? Uh, no, I'm saying they should be. They should be. But it's about it's about opportunities. I'm hearing one or two things that are going on, and they've got they they're starting to to integrate and get people what, into in the, the British, you know, I mean, the British boxing border control. Come on, we, are we talking about? Aren't we talking about the people that really influence the sport, which is the promoters? Uh, exactly, but the thing right. is, so so, you're t- so the promoters that are there, you name me a promoter that's not working his way up. Dylan White's brother, he's he's he, mm. Dean, he's trying he's trying to get he's starting somewhere. Yeah, you know he's pushing himself through. There are there are young men that are coming through thinking I'm going to do that. I'm planning. That's what will go and, until we get to a stage where somebody has is stopped because and you can point out it's black because he's black. At the moment, certain people get the TV, right? Certain people don't get the TV. You know, now you can't say that's because I'm black white because most of the promoters out there are white. So they've not got it because he's got a better stable. He's got a better stable. There will be a time where you've got a black promoter that comes through and he's going to run ragged because all the black fighters will, will gravitate towards, towards him. As long as he treats them right, as long as he's right with them, all the best fighters will will run towards him. I'm not saying the best fighters are only black fighters. What I'm saying, the fighters will go towards him because they'll think... I actually get your, yeah, and you. And there's something that looks like me. I think racism exists in this country. No mm-hmm. doubt about it. Yeah. Right? You'd be stupid to say that it doesn't. Yeah. It exists in sport. It exists in society. But there's racism in, in every community. And if you've got 55 million white people in this country, and 1% of them are stupid, ignorant racists, mm-hmm. and you've got 10 million people of colour in this country, and 1% of them are racist, so the same statistic, you're still going to have five times as many racists in the white community as you are going to have yeah. in the black and brown community. And I struggle, I really struggle, Johnny, with this notion that you know we should be talking about anything other than equal opportunity, yeah. not equal outcomes, because equal outcomes can't be programmed. It means what you're doing is say, just give it to someone because they're, they've got colour or because they're totally part agree. of the LGBT community. I, to- I, I totally agree where you're coming from. And I think I, I think the, the, the problem is now, wait, wait, when you look at in today's world, I, if we start talking about slavery, and yeah. talk, now that, 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 so right, exactly, 250 exactly, years ago, this is the uncomfortable conversation. Yeah, yeah, okay. Because if I start talking about slavery to you about what white people did to black people, yeah. you're thinking I'm getting blamed for what they did. Yeah. So, so now it's a conversation to say, well, actually, let, let's have that conversation. The conversation is this: you can't, I can't judge you for what your brother does. Never mind mm. what what your ancestor did 400 yeah, yeah. years ago. And so, so even from my perspective as a black man, I've got to say I can't blame you for what he's done. You know, but so this is a conversation. Now, what happens is there's a large proportion of white society that do not want to talk about history, his story. Yeah. So basically, the person that writ the, writ the story, as in, as in, when you look at the world, you look at what's happening in slavery, and you, you so they change the story, they change the narrative about Columbus discovering X, Y, Z, which he didn't. So they don't want to have that conversation because they don't, don't want to be see, deemed to 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 seem either ignorant or racist. So so therefore, they're better off saying nothing. Because you think, so therefore, I don't want to say anything because I don't want you to think I'm racist. I don't want you to think I'm ignorant. But them saying nothing seems like they're actually siding with it. Look at you. Because I, I mean, I look at it and I struggle. Well, not because I'm a white man that's got privilege and that really to be told I've got white privilege because mm. no one knows my background. No one knows yeah. where I've come from. And I get my partner, Michelle, who, you know, who's been in a very difficult lifespan and she gets told the same thing because she's in the media. But do you understand what white privilege is? Well, tell me and I'll tell you if I understand it or okay. relate what, to what you're saying. What, or can you relate to, to, to walking into a a shop or a room full of people that don't look like you yeah and 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 people suspecting you 
of anything that goes wrong, suspecting you of stealing, suspect holding that bag a bit tight because you've come along. Now, white privilege is you can walk anywhere, not think twice about it. When I used to leave the house, my mum said, Johnny, if there's any trouble, don't to nothing, get out of it, out of it, because they'll, they'll pick the black boy out of it more than anything else. Now, now, if people are like that, I, to me, I think, I don't make it my problem. If you was a raving racist, mm. right, as far as I'm concerned, it's like a crocodile. Yeah. You put your hand in the crocodile's mouth, what's it going to do? It's going to bite you. That's its nature. This has been fascinating. Have we done? I, I've enjoyed it. <laughs> Damn. And listen, we could carry on talking for hours, you and I, but listen, thank you for coming and thank you for being nice with me today. Appreciate that. Upfront with me, Simon Jordan, is brought to you by William Hill. Future episodes can be found on YouTube, Spotify, or wherever you find your podcasts. 18 plus, please gamble responsibly.